I think some of the best things about traveling are the pleasant surprises. Surprises like the people you never expected to meet or the places you just happen to stumble upon. If you rent a car to explore the countryside of Italy during the summer and fall, there's a good chance you'll come across a uniquely Italian type of local food festival. Italian tour guide Cecilia Botai joins us now to recommend making time in your itinerary to enjoy these themed festivals. Locals call them sagre. Cecilia, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. So describe a, a sagra. What is that exactly? Well, the sagra is uh, an event that has a very long tradition in history. The sagra comes from sacred, sacro, because that was sort of a food or product festival that was done in front of the temples first, the churches next. In the church or temple yard, there would be a celebration because of that harvest went well and so forth. So it's a harvest festival that it's goes back. It's a harvest festival, back food for back to ancient uh, times. Ancient, very ancient times. Okay. Sagra comes from sacro, sacred, and the the space in front of the church that you call the churchyard or the temple yard. So in even the in ancient been, times, thanking the gods for the harvest. Thanking the gods for the harvest, and this is how this developed. Now, how does a tourist today who's exploring Italy learn where these festivals are? Well, you have posters everywhere. You go online, you Google Sagra, Sagre in Italy, uh-huh. and you have a list of maybe a thousand. Oh, my goodness. So Sagra in singular is S-A-G-R-A. Yes. And uh, now, are they usually in the village, in front of the church, on the main square, at a farm? Where they would you They used find it? to be in front of the churches. This is what we call the Sagrato. Ah, okay. like, yes, at the space in front of the church. Now they are in villages and in smaller sites, never in a city. Never in a city? No, okay. they're only in the, these small villages. Because it's, it's a farm should, action thing. It's, it's, it's more than a farm action thing. It's, it's something related to the, the small community. Okay. And they also have a target now. A target. The target is to make some money for the community. Oh, okay. Let's suppose this community wants to make some extra money, needs some extra money for the uh, children's playgrounds. Ah, okay, so, so they a organize a festival, which is a sagra. Everybody volunteers. The money they make goes into that project. And this village might be famous for its artichokes. Well, artichokes are, you really have a thousand at least. (laughs) Okay, so is it mostly in the fall during harvest time or can it be also in the spring and summer? Well, they go all year long. Of Mm -hmm. course, since one of the reasons is to make some extra money, not just to celebrate life together, most of the sagras are done during the good season. That means when there is no rain, when there is more people around, when people have their holidays, so they can really gather together okay. a lot of people to make what they want. And but when would that be normally? Uh, I would say they start around May and okay. the end October. Now, I'm thinking in terms of uh, harvest in a, in a farm, but is it also involving hunting? and, and Of course. And, and, no. So what sort of a hunting dimension would there be to Wild these festivals? Wild boar sagra. Wild boar. Yeah. Have you ever had wild boar, Rick? I have. I love it. Have you ever seen a wild boar in front of you? No. Yeah, that's quite an experience, (laughs) I can tell you. So what 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 is the meat that might be hunted and then celebrated in a sagra? Could be meat, Uh could be fish, could Uh be jackrabbit, could be wild boar, could be any kind of bird that you can eat, could be any sort of fish that goes with a specific kind of pasta, the the goose. We Ah, have close to the goose sagra. (laughs) I'm curious about this boar because uh, I love the boar meat. What might you eat in a village in Italy at a wild boar sagra? You want to eat the wild boar uh, stew. You might eat the local style of pasta with a wild boar ragu. Mm. You might eat the 
ham made with wild boar meat, the sausages made with wild boar meat. You can do mm. a lot of different recipes with a wild boar. So if you're going to Asagra, you should not eat first. You should come with an appetite. No, you should not eat for a week, <laughs> and then you go there and you eat. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're fantasizing about food right off of the farm, food fresh from the hunt as we travel around Italy, and we have our eyes peeled for Esagra. That's a village harvest festival. We're talking with Cecilia Botai, and Cecilia lives, uh, spends her time in uh, between a farm where, the, where she produces some beautiful wine in Orvieto and in Rome. Cecilia, if we're talking about a particular village and a particular production, one of my favorite memories is I was in a village in Tuscany, and it was an artichoke festival, and everybody was happily cutting up the artichokes and and cooking them up and, and selling them on sticks and raising money. It was a community feel. Describe some of your favorite memories of different sagri that you have uh, stumbled onto or gone to for a little vacation. Well, I can tell you that I like them all. And I can tell you that when I used to live in Florence, I would go out with friends in the countryside to have dinner at the Sagra. Hmm. Uh, it's a nice experience because that is only cooked by very local people. Mm-hmm. The traditional cook is, you can picture a, a short woman, which we have an expression in Italy for how robust she is. It's easier to jump on her rather than walk around her because she's really the typical Italian <laughs> so it's quicker mother. quicker to jump over her than yeah. walk around her. Yeah, okay. because they're, they're very she's sort of a, a local babushka. Yeah. Local babushka, uh-huh. perfect. And then you go there, you buy uh, your ticket for the food you want to have, and then you sit on a bench close to people you've never seen before in your life. There might be local people or tourists, but from Italy mainly, you have an excellent kind of food or quality of food, sorry, which is absolutely local. Nothing comes from anywhere around. That's what we call kilometro zero, zero mile. That means it's really local for a very little amount of money. And you feed yourself with, what can I say, 12, 13 euro. Uh-huh. You, you can talk with somebody who's next to you. You enjoy an open space. If you have children, they can play around. And that's it. And I would imagine there's some local wine along with that zero kilometer uh, concept. Uh, can you imagine a meal with that wine in Italy? I really You cannot. can imagine it, <laughs> but it doesn't exist. <laughs> so you got your wine and you got your passionate, whatever they're cooking up, whatever they're growing, whatever they're hunting. You, you mentioned zero kilometer. Tell me more about this, because I, I hear this term a lot when it comes to eating in a very local way. What, what is zero kilometer eating in Italy? Zero kilometer eating means that you eat whatever dish or whatever cheese or whatever that comes from close by. You know that due to the increase of transportation, now mm-hmm. we can get uh, in Italy uh, sauerkraut from Germany. Mm-hmm. The Germans might get um, buffalo mozzarella from Salerno. And that is nice, but sometimes you lose a little bit of the quality. If you have a zero mile, that means something that has to be produced within uh, 150 miles, actually, you have something which is absolutely local and you can make sure it's fresh. So you can imagine on your farm near Orvieto, you could have the bread, the cheese, the meat, the wine. Produced within 10 miles. And that's something that it takes on a a special quality because you know you've got that that heritage, the sustainability. If you care about the environment, you Absolutely. didn't spend a lot of extra energy. Absolutely, and you you very often know who made them. So I know who made that cheese. That makes a huge difference, just to know the person that made the polenta. Absolutely, in Italy we have very often this tradition: generations after generations doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. myself, I'm one of them. Uh, because of your wine. Your because of my wines. Yeah. But I know people who've been making cheese for whatever years, but how so many generations. So mm-hmm. I know where the cheese come from. 
And now we have people going back to that. That's the surprise. So there is a movement not to the supermarket in the suburbs, but to zero-kilometer eating. Not only that, to abandoning the modern, contemporary life. Mm -hmm. They quit a very nice and profitable job, Mm -hmm. and they start remaking Mm -hmm. the real food. It's more expensive. It's more expensive, but wait a second. We are in Italy now redeveloping a non-wasting way of cooking. What do you mean? In the past, you would cook a cow. Let's say if you're not vegetarian, you cook the cow, we say, from the horns to the tail. The tail is called the lavacina. It's a very famous Roman recipe. In the 70s, you would have only filet. And now we're getting back to that. What do I do with the tongue? What do I do with the tail? The same is for smaller animals, chicken. What do I do with the chicken? I can boil the chicken. I can make the broth. I can make the soup. I eat the meat and I cook the veggies together. And if one chicken costs you 20 euro instead of five, but you have the ability to make with one chicken the entire meal, in the end you eat better and costs you less. Time and money. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Cecilia Botai about Sagra and the culture of celebrating the local harvest, eating with the season. Cecilia, I'm just going to say a few words, and I'd like you to just to talk about what that might mean to you, where you might find it at a Sagra. Gnocchi. Gnocchi, the Sagra degli Gnocchi, I have went very close by me, Lake Bolsena, because that is an area where they make great potatoes. So they have potatoes, they celebrate their gnocchi, and they you can gno- go to a village. To that. a village where you have the gnocchi made there. Porcini mushrooms. Porcini mushrooms, it's usually end of August when they do it, or October in Tuscany, in the Chianti region. Otherwise, the mushrooms, sagras, are also in the Maremma Toscana, which is the coast of Tuscany. Mm-hmm. And this is when you get them and where you get them. And that would be in the late summer and Late early summer and early fall. Tortellini. Tortellini Emilia-Romagna. You have to go there. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Although they make tortellini everywhere, but Emilia-Romagna is famous for where that. Where is Emilia-Romagna? Emilia-Romagna is what we consider, geographically speaking, the start of the north of Italy which is right north of Florence. When you cross the Apennine, the Appennini, you get to Bologna. Uh Let's say Pavarotti's area. Okay, (laughs) okay. okay. And I'm sure he enjoyed a few sagas. Oh, yes, I'm sure. Polenta. Ah, Polenta, you have it both in Emilia-Romagna and in the Veneto region. Veneto region is Venezia, Verona. This is where they're famous for Polenta, that you can dress with any sauce you want. Because you have, it's like, Cornbread, but it's you, cornbread. How you would cook? you dress it up with different sauces? Oh, you, you can make it with ragu. You can make it with the stockfish polenta con bacala. It's very mm-hmm. famous up there. You can make it with cheeses. If you are, live up in the north where they have the mountains with the uh-huh. beautiful cheeses, you make the polenta and you you have the the cheese that melts on top of the polenta. Oh. It's uh, well not for a Weight Watchers diet, but it's tasty. I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now it is so fun to be able to just talk with you and imagine a lifetime of enjoying these festivals of food. For the little finishing off of our our conversation here, share with me one favorite moment that you've had at a sagra. Well, I was with a lot of friends that was in the Maremma area and there was the Sagra of the Porcini. And uh, we sat there. We were already quite a few people. There was a long table. All of a sudden, we started speaking with the people next to us because we had to sort of uh, split in the group because there was not enough room for us. And we found ourselves in a table that was covering almost all over Italy. And you know how I call my country, the United States of Italy. We had lovely food, and I was sharing some experiences with someone from Sicily. My husband, who's from Calabria, was sharing with somebody from Piemonte. 
all of a sudden that became a long table of friends who had never seen each other's before. And we are talking about the difference on how to cook the porcini here and there, how you would enjoy them the best. And in Tuscany, and then there was a little bit of a conflict who made the best ones, of course. <laughs> so, But that was so Italian. And we spent two hours and a half with people we never knew before that moment. And that it was a memorable night. A great way to celebrate the diversity and bring together uh, Italy with its common denominator, something that all Italians seem to have in common, a love of good food. Oh, yes. Eden locally, Eden with the season. Absolutely. Never forget that. Eden with the season. Cecilia Botai, buon appetito and mille grazie. Thank you. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe researching and writing guidebooks. Europe Through the Back Door teaches the skills of smart travel. Travel as a political act adds meaning to the journey. And Rick Steves' best-selling country, city, and pocket guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com. 